Welcome to the Expanded By Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea. I'm a business mentor, brain rewiring certified coach, and soon to be 7D, a high energy healer. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things business growth, spirituality, brain rewiring, mindset, energetics, and so much more. You can connect further with me on Instagram at Expand with Chelsea and on YouTube at Expand with Chelsea. I am so excited that you're here. I hope you leave today feeling expanded by what we talk about. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I have a really special guest with me here today, Amanda Fit. She is a certified sports nutrition specialist, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, a clinical nutrition graduate student, and she's been running her own business, Purely Nourished, her private nutrition coaching practice since early 2018. Amanda works with climbers and outdoor athletes to improve their performance, increase their training potential, and optimize their overall health without dieting or restriction. Amanda lives in Central Oregon near Bend with her partner where she takes full advantage of the outdoor playground that is Smith Rock. She's a climber, mountain biker, and trail runner who loves food. She's an amateur baker and chef. Oh my god, she makes the best looking sourdough and a connoisseur of cinnamon rolls. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. We talk all things nutrition for athletes. We talk all things protein, macronutrients, micronutrients. We cover it all. We even cover nutrient timing, what to have pre- during and post-workout. Amanda provides a lot of examples on foods that might be really helpful for you, and you're just absolutely going to love her. I learned so much from talking with Amanda, and I really love seeing that. I mean, she's so committed to what it is that she does. She went back to get her graduate degree in clinical nutrition. She's so passionate about helping athletes improve their nutrition and improving their performance through nutrition, and I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. So before we go ahead and dive in. I want to share some updates. All right. So I just announced today that I have a brand new survey open. And this survey is for those of you who have either just started your business. So maybe you're kind of in the foundation. You have been in business for less than a year. You're still getting things figured out. Things still feel fresh and new and kind of overwhelming and exciting at the same time. Or for those of you who have not yet started a business, but you feel really called and inspired to. You You do not need to know which direction you want to take your business in order to take this survey. It's just if you have that little inkling, that little calling, and you're like, oh, I want to do something, but I'm not quite sure yet. Or maybe you do kind of know which direction that you want to go. This survey is to help me gain feedback and learn exactly what it is that you might be struggling with so that I can create and provide content and information that will help you move things along, massively move the needle forward in your business, whether or not you've started yet. So by taking this survey, you'll be entered to win one of three prizes. So these prizes are either a $75 gift card, I'll just Venmo you $75, or you can choose to do a 45-minute one-on-one intensive with me. We can talk all things business, getting started, getting off the ground. I will link the survey in the show notes. All you have to do, it just takes a couple of minutes, is go fill out that survey. And this is going to be really helpful for me so that I can start to create content for you that's going to massively change things in your life. This is one of my biggest passions, is helping business owners grow their businesses. This is my zone of genius. This is what I do. So I'm pumped super pumped to see the content that is going to be coming in the next couple of weeks and months. On that same note, I actually am going to be starting on Thursday, 512, if you're listening to this when it comes out. On Thursday, we're starting a six-part series right here on the podcast of how to start your online business. Inside these six parts, you're going to learn how to know when it's time to actually start your business. Yep, I'm going to give you the step-by-step of, okay, here's how we actually know that deep down inside, you're ready. It is time to start that business. Then we're going to move into gaining clarity and direction. So getting a lot of details on where it is that you want to go, what it is that you want to do, and who you want to help. Then we'll be moving into the foundational steps to actually building a business. Yep, we're going to be covering all things legal, financial, taxes, talking about all of it because it is really important. I know a lot of business owners, we shy away from these topics, but they are super, super important if you're going to build a sustainable, solid business. Then we'll be moving into gaining confidence to actually put yourself out there to say, hey, 
I'm a coach. I've got a business. I'm actually able to take on clients now. Working on gaining visibility, putting yourself out there, and starting to really move the needle forward in having awareness around what it is that you're doing. Then we will move into building authority in your niche. This is where it's going to get really exciting so that you can start to position yourself as an expert. People are going to start to look to you for answers, for advice, and this will naturally lead into people wanting to pay you to work with you. The last part of the series, then we're going to move into how to stop working for free and start charging for your services. This is really important, and I think a lot of business owners get stuck in this where they're either working for free for numerous things, numerous projects or clients, or they're not charging enough and they feel guilty about raising their prices even though they know that they've massively up-leveled their skills since when they started working with that person. So this is going to be a super informative series. All you've got to do, it's really easy. You just have to tune into the podcast. We're starting on the 12th of May. I cannot wait for these next six episodes. They're going to be so good. I planned this out just about a weekend ago. This idea came to me that I really wanted to do this in-depth educational series for those of you who are either just starting out your business and maybe you just want more clarity and direction or you haven't started yet and that this will hopefully give you the confidence that you need to step into that role. Alrighty, last update. Oh my gosh, my birthday is tomorrow. I turned 31 years old. Kind of hard to believe. Wow, 31 trips around the sun and to celebrate, I'm hosting a big freaking sale. So the sale only runs through tomorrow. So if you haven't taken advantage yet, I would highly recommend jumping on my books I am offering 31% off of three-pack high-energy healing sessions. These have been so incredibly transformational, not only for myself, but for my clients as well. I actually sent out an email to my list last Friday talking about why I was so hesitant to step into the role of energy healer, and it was because this part of my soul knew something massive was going to change. Massive shifts were going to happen in my life, and you know, to be honest, like, I'm a human, and sometimes change is fucking scary, and I wasn't quite ready to step into it, but here's the thing. You're never ready. If you're always trying to stay in your comfort zone and always trying to just have, you know, and experience those positive emotions and the good vibrations and all all the other things that we deem good and positive in our lives then you're not growing, you're not evolving, and you're not changing. So when I stepped into the role of energy healer in October, went through the certification program, holy shit, everything changed. My life looks completely different than it did in October. Not just in like a internal healing landscape type of way, but my external reality is also completely different. I've shifted my relationship with money. I feel more secure inside my business than ever. I have moved another time. I actually just moved back into my parents' house because my partner and I, we decided that we wanted different things. So that was a huge change in my life, and I am so thankful for this energy to help me process and move through these big emotions. I am so thankful that I stepped into this role because a part of my soul knew that these changes needed to happen. My soul knew that in order to get to the next level, in order to step into higher alignment with the future version of myself that I know that I want to reach, some of these things needed to fall away. So if you are somebody that knows that you have so much potential you feel blocked, you feel stuck, you feel like you're trying to force things. I mean, here's the thing about energy, it doesn't lie. If you feel like you're working so hard to get things to work, you're working so hard for those happy moments, no, 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 that's that's you out of alignment. That's you trying to force things that were never meant to be in the first place. Let's get you back into alignment so that a year from now, you're not looking back on your life and saying, wow, I wish I would have done that wow, these are my regrets. I'm in the same exact place that I was at a year ago. Now that's a scary thought. So you can learn more using the link in the show notes. Each one of these sessions lasts about six weeks, so you'll have spaced out time between the sessions, and you can book in at any time. You can purchase the sessions now and book in later, save them for later. You can stock up on sessions. I know a lot of my clients are doing that, and I mean, honestly, the price point for each individual session is cheaper than I've ever offered before, so definitely take advantage of the sale. If you are curious about a high-energy healing or you've already experienced 
experienced it and you know that you love it, if you're ready to make some massive changes, I cannot wait to support you in your journey. Again, more information using the link in the show notes. Be sure to use code BIRTHDAY at checkout. Alrighty, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this interview with Amanda. All right. Hello, Amanda. Today on the show, I am so excited to bring you Amanda Fit. She is one of my past clients. She is a clinical <laughs> nutrition graduate student, and she has been running Purely Nourished, her private nutrition coaching practice since 2018. So Amanda, go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself. I am so excited to have you on today. Hello, Chelsea. Yes, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Um, yeah, so a little bit about me. I am a nutrition coach. I primarily work with outdoor athletes and outdoor-minded individuals, <laughs> I like to say. Um, yeah, and I've been doing this since 2018. So um, early 2018, I finished my first coaching certification program through IIN, which I think you did that as well, if I recall correctly, yep. um, which was a great little starting point. Um, I then decided to, a, a couple years later, get a little more sports specific. So I did another certification through NCSF. It's just the sports nutrition, um, or sorry, the sports nutrition specialist program with them. And yeah, now I am currently a graduate student. So I'm going back to school. I'm in a master's program for clinical nutrition. It's kicking my butt right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a little bit, I guess, just about kind of my background in education. Um, but I've worked in a lot of different sectors in nutrition since 2018. Um, I have done my private practice, obviously, through Purely Nourished, but I've also worked for a larger telehealth company as well as a nutrition coach for them, which was pretty enlightening. But yeah, I worked in a lot of different facets and really, really excited to have narrowed down my focus to just athletes at the moment. Yes. Oh, so exciting. And I mean, how lucky are we to have somebody that actually participates in these sports and truly understands. So I'm so curious. So you went back to school this January at the beginning of the year. What influenced your decision to go back and be a grad student? Yeah, good question. Um, it's definitely something that I've thought about a lot over the past years. The nutrition coaching thing was always just a side hustle for a while. Um, but honestly, it was my time as a health coach for that larger health, that larger telehealth company that really kind of drove me to wanting to take my education to the next level. Um, it was a really interesting position in the fact that it was very high volume. So I worked with, gosh, like 150 people within the year that I was there. And these people were all across the nation and of all demographics. So very much different from the people that I was working with in my personal practice, which is kind of like this small bubble of, of people really. So this really opened my eyes to unfortunately how kind of sick a lot of our nation is um, and how much health and nutrition education really matters. Um, I think I took for granted a lot of the stuff that I knew. And so, yeah, it was just a really eye-opening experience. And I really wanted to be able to work with people on a deeper level as far as nutrition goes. Um, I have a science background, like my, my undergrad was in chemistry. So I felt like I always had a pretty good grasp on a lot of the concepts of nutrition, but I just, I really wanted to solidify my, my education and take things to the next level. Um, so that's kind of why I decided to go back and, and get my master's. Yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh. And we need more people doing this type of work as well. And especially with your background again. So I'm really interested. Can you explain to us? So, you know, there's a lot of, I think, confusion, especially when we start to think of, oh man, there's like nutritionists and dietitian, and then there's clinical nutrition. Can you explain to us a little bit about the differences between those? Yeah, so nutrition, the field of nutrition and the profession <laughs> is uh, definitely a, a vast gray area. And that honestly was something that held me back for a long time in deciding like what pathway of education I wanted to take just because it's really confusing, <laughs> not only for professionals, but obviously other people um, in the world who are non-nutrition professionals. So I guess there are we could categorize this as a few different tiers. Um, so you have kind of like the health coach, nutrition coach 
tier, you know, kind of where I started. Um, and that requires normally you taking some sort of program that leads to a professional certification. Um, a lot of times those programs do not necessarily necessarily require any like prerequisites or anything of the sort. Um, so that's kind of the first tier, I would say. Um, then on the other end of the spectrum, you have kind of the registered dietitian pathway, which before, up until I think it was 2022, all you needed was, was a bachelor's in dietetics or, you know, a, some sort of nutrition related field. And then those pursuing the RD, um, certification, well, it's not a certification, the RD, I'm totally blanking on the word right now. <laughs> what is the word that I'm trying to think of? Not a certification. Oh gosh, we'll have to <laughs> figure this out. Um, Here, I'm going to Google it really quick. Oh, why am I just derping right now? Credential. There Thank you, you. There you go. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> so the so if you're going in the registered dietitian pathway and pursuing that registration, that registered dietitian credential, um, then you go through a dietetic internship. And RDs tend to um, work more in like hospital settings, kind of that inpatient, um, not so much private practice, although that's changing a little bit, but that was kind of one pathway. Then there's a whole nother pathway, the route that I'm going, which is pursuing a master, master's degree in nutrition. Um, that sets you up to sit for the Certified Nutrition Specialist or CNS board certification. Now, in the past, those who were pursuing a CNS were definitely kind of more in the like academia, like a lot of those folks tended to go into research, but most also went into private practice. So it was, there was this kind of like distinguishing factor between registered dietitians, hospital, MS, CNS, private practice. Um, and there's like a lot of subsets as well. There's a lot of other different credentialing you can do. It totally depends on the state. Um, but overall, I think everyone in the nutrition field, whether you're a coach, an RD, an MS, like everyone has a really, really valuable role. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of like shaming that happens in the nutrition industry for some reason. I, I don't know if other people other than like people who are in the industry realize this. But um, yeah, there's just a lot of like bad talk about like health coaches or bad talk from health coaches about RDs or there's just a lot of, of back and forth that I don't love to be completely honest with you. I think everyone has a really valuable role. And as I progress into further education, I really hope to kind of be a role model for that. Um, and maybe speak to that too, eventually, as to how everyone has a really essential role in the field of nutrition. It just might look a little different amongst different credentials. Totally. Okay. Thank you. That was really helpful because yeah, there's definitely so many different paths that people can take. And I think sometimes, especially us athletes, we get a little tripped up, like what type of help do I actually need? So it was really helpful to have you break it down like that. You know, I just want to kind of like dive into some myth busting because I just like, I really love everything that you share on Instagram. I think it's so helpful for athletes. I think that a lot of the times, you know, we try to go a little bit overboard with nutrition and then we totally space out on like the basics and we take those for granted. And we're like, oh, what, what random diet can I try next to optimize my performance? And meanwhile, you know, we're totally missing out on drinking water, for example. So on your end, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see athletes making? And again, these can be like very basic things or they can be a little bit more of those smaller details. Mm, yes, such an important thing to bring up. And like you said, I think we tend to overcomplicate nutrition. Because yeah. on one <laughs> hand, like, yes, it is very complex, you know, if we really were to dive into things. But on the other hand, just on a, you know, what we actually do on a daily basis, like, it doesn't have to be that complicated, it can be simple. Um, so to your question of, you know, maybe what was that? What do people tend to overcomplicate? Was that the question? Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, I think people tend to, especially what I see in athletes who I work with, they try to kind of dive headfirst into like the ultimate optimization of these nutrition strategies. So maybe what I mean by that is sometimes I'll have people come to me and they'll be like, all right, Amanda, like I am going to 
do all of these super long days out in the mountains. Like I'm preparing for all these alpine trips. Like I want super solid strategy. Like let's break it down by the hour. Like what I should be eating, how many carbs, how many grams of this, how many grams of that, which we can absolutely do. But then you kind of take a step back and it's like, well, what are you eating on your rest days? You know, like, are you working 50, 60 hour weeks and skipping meals on all of those days because you're so crazy stressed at work? You know, all the nutrition strategy in the world, all that, you know, day of strategy isn't going to make a huge difference if you're not taking care of the basics. Like you mentioned, if you're not checking all of those boxes on all of the other days, such as getting enough water, eating three balanced meals with protein, carbohydrates, and fat, you know, really improving your metabolic health overall by balancing your blood sugar just by eating regular meals and not skipping meals. I mean, there's so many, let's call them low-hanging fruits that we could take care of before diving into that kind of complex nutrition strategy that, that I think is kind of sexy, right? That's kind of trendy. That's what a lot of people want to go to first. But in reality, there's a lot of other things that you could be doing first that might make a bigger difference in the long term. Yes, absolutely. And I, I was kind of like laughing along with you because I was like, oh yeah, it's so easy to get caught up in all of this because it it is like the sexier option. You know, you really feel like sometimes you're making these big shifts or changes. So of course you're kind of expecting these big results, but then we're totally neglecting those basics and foundations. So for you, where is your starting point with people? Usually what are the things that you're looking at that they're doing daily that you can start to really make a dent in? Yeah, good question. It totally depends on their goals, really, and kind of where they're at. You know, I always meet clients exactly where they're at, which sometimes they're a little bit farther along on their nutrition journey. Sometimes they're just starting out. But a great starting point for everyone, what I like to look at first is, do you know how to create a balanced meal with all the essential parts? Do you have your meal timing down pretty well? Kind of like I mentioned in the past question, just, you know, are you staying full for around four hours? Are your meals keeping you full for that long? Um, are you getting enough micronutrients from the foods that you're eating as well to really support your goals and exactly what you're doing? So really just simple things. Meal building, like I mentioned, are you building these meals correctly? Are we maybe addressing some little concerns that you have? Then we can start to refine and go into things like, are you eating before your session? Are you eating during your session? Are you eating after your session? And really kind of dialing it in from there. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those big, we'll call them mistakes, but you know, just, just for context, these are things that a lot of people might be doing accidentally or unknowingly. What are some of those things that you see people doing that are actually not really setting them up the best for their performance? Yes. One would be not eating enough carbohydrates. I think as athletes, we severely underestimate the amount of carbohydrates that we can eat um, and should be eating to really support our performance and our training in the best way possible. Um, so that would be number one. Number two would be not eating enough overall and that kind of factors into your non-working days. So what I mean by non-working days are maybe your rest days or maybe days that you're not actually going out and performing the sport that you do outside. Like we still need to be fueling our body with an adequate amount of energy on all days, no matter, um, no matter your activity level really, or no matter what you're doing. So I think that's definitely one of the top two things for sure, just not eating enough overall. And third would probably be trying to make things too complicated. Um, sometimes I see folks who come my way who have been diving into nutrition on their own for like a really long time. And I totally resonate this with, I resonate with these people a lot because this is where I was once myself. Um, but if you are someone who like goes down the Google rabbit hole and you're like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to, you know, do this like carb cycling. I'm going to, you know, take out gluten. I'm going to take out dairy. I'm going to do all these things. People tend to overcomplicate their nutrition. And that oftentimes 
not only is just stressful overall, but it can really actually dig themselves into kind of a hole that they don't want to be in nutritionally. It kind of sets themselves up for this restrictive mindset and a restrictive way of eating that's actually pretty detrimental to athletes. So I would say those are those are the top three that come to mind. I love it. I love how you phrased it too. Like how many carbohydrates can we eat? Like we get to eat the carbohydrates, like eat them. (laughs) That's something that made a huge difference in my performance is because I was listening to kind of like the general media news. And that was around the time that like keto was really popular. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I should eat less carbohydrates. And I kind of totally forgot that I am not the general population. And I'm extremely active. And I was wondering why I was tired and hungry and kind of crabby all the time. And then I realized, oh, yeah, that's probably because I'm eating like 50 grams of carbohydrates a day and added them right back in and felt so much better. I want to ask you about something that you just mentioned is the restrictive thinking. So can we talk about how that kind of is detrimental for athletes and how it actually, because I think sometimes it it ramps up rather slowly. You know, you take out one thing and then all of a sudden you take out another thing and then you're just kind of gathering pieces of advice from everywhere. So let's talk a little bit more about that restrictive thinking. Yeah, most definitely. And I think it's important to note in this idea of restriction that restriction can sometimes be intentional And a lot of times restriction can be unintentional. Like you're coming from a place of trying to do better, um, but you are actually unintentionally restricting. And I can go into that a little bit more in a minute. But, you know, this idea of restriction is so detrimental to athletes in particular because it really removes ourselves from giving our bodies what it needs. When you have a restrictive mindset, when you're, you know, maybe constantly worrying about the food that you're eating, worried about if you're getting it right, you know, or if what you're eating is going to be detrimental to your performance, or if it's going to make you gain weight and, you know, X, Y, and Z, this really limits you and holds you back from, like I said, just making decisions that are, that are good for your body. It separates you from what your body really needs, what your body is telling you it needs And then what you're trying to do, like how you're trying to manipulate your food choices based on what you think is is right. It's kind of hard to to put into words, but maybe I'll give an example. So, you know, an obvious example of like purposeful restriction would maybe be putting yourself in a caloric deficit. So not eating as much as you should to maybe intentionally drop weight or lean up. Um, I see this a lot in like the transition of seasons with some athletes, especially climbers like, Oh, I've got to lean up for, you know, spring sending. Um, which yeah, that's, that's a whole nother topic. But, um, so in that sense of intentional restriction, you're really not setting your body up for success for optimal performance. So that would absolutely be a hindrance to you doing well in your desired sport. On the other hand, this unintentional restriction. So maybe you are unintentionally underfueling. You know, maybe your activity level just ramped up. I see this a lot with guides. You know, they go from kind of a more mellow um, winter season to all of a sudden spring and summer being outside every single day, guiding for eight to 10 hours a day, and they're just not eating enough and they're underfueling unintentionally. But without having that kind of mindset dialed in without thinking ahead, it can really inhibit your performance. So long story short, um, you know, I think restriction has many shapes and forms. It can absolutely be detrimental by, you know, disconnecting you with your body, disconnecting you with what your body really needs. And ultimately that's just going to, it's going to hinder your performance in your sport. Yes, absolutely. And I definitely want to touch on the weight in sports. I mean, you know, climbing is not the only sport that is a strength to weight ratio. I hate to even like call it that a sport, but it it does play a factor. You know, it's not everything. So when you see somebody that is unintentionally fueling, how do you work with them to start to add more back into their plate and in their day? Yeah. So in the sense of 
like unintentionally fueling you asked? Yeah, let's go that direction. Okay. Yeah. So I think first it's just awareness, right? Like if you're unintentionally doing something, a lot of the times we just need to be, to bring awareness to what you're actually doing. And a lot of times that could be as simple as just, you know, writing a food journal, you know, keeping a food journal for like a week or two and evaluating it when things are all of a sudden tangible and reality out on paper. Like when you write down what you've been eating and you're like, Oh my God, like I've had 10 grams of protein today. I was (laughs) outside climbing for eight hours. (laughs) You know, it, it just really brings things to light when we can start to make those connections. So awareness is definitely the first part. Um, the second part I would say, Sometimes people can be a little resistant to wanting to eat more, especially if they're in that restrictive mindset, right? Especially if they maybe have a little bit of a troubled relationship with food and their body. So a good way to start kind of adding things in um, is a good way to time it is around workouts and around training sessions. That's kind of where I like to start with people who are maybe a little hesitant. So adding in a rich carbohydrate source before training sessions or workouts adding in a during session snack, just something as simple as like a bar or a couple pretzels. And then afterwards, after their session, really optimizing their post recovery meal as something that's rich in protein, adding in more carbohydrates there. Because if we really put our attention on kind of that before, during and after your session, it's a great way to really kind of increase your calories, increase your energy, increase the energy that you're getting in without it it feeling like a chore mentally. I hope that kind of makes sense. It's, you know, just thinking about this from like a psychological perspective, if you're like, oh, I've got to eat more today. Like, all right, I'm going to try to shove food in at breakfast, shove food in at lunch. That can feel really, just really heavy and really hard, especially if you're dealing with, like I mentioned, your relationship with food. So timing things around your workouts is a really nice place to start. Um, Another good place to start was just focusing on more calorically dense foods, which oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, it is fat. You know, fat gives you more calories per gram than the other two micronutrients or macronutrients, excuse me. So that's a great place to start. Adding nuts, nut butters, avocado, um, little, little things here and there can kind of start to add up without it feeling overwhelming for folks. I love it. Yes. Uh, I was just like immediately thinking peanut butter. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I was like, that one's my favorite one. And I want to like talk a little bit further about this. So let's say somebody is there, they are in that restrictive mindset, you know, barring they, they aren't necessarily suffering from an eating disorder, because obviously that would be something that you would refer out to somebody else. And what would you say to these people who are maybe intentionally restricting, but they are open to changing habits and patterns. And they know that, you know, maybe this, what they've been doing hasn't necessarily been the healthiest for them. And it definitely hasn't been beneficial long-term to their performance. Yeah. I think folks who are really on that kind of working to improve their relationship with food side of the spectrum, it is important to tackle what I call this internal knowledge and not to get too into the weeds, but there's internal knowledge and external knowledge. And both of these things kind of constitute this idea of gentle nutrition is is what I really like to um, kind of teach my clients. And so working on things like identifying food rules that might be holding them back and things that are things, um, food rules are things that Maybe we have assigned, created, maybe we've heard them from one place or another, but it's something that is really holding us back. So I think a great obvious example of a food rule is, you know, I can't eat past 7 p.m. So no matter if I'm hungry or if I'm, you know, starving or if I didn't eat dinner, whatever it is, I can't eat past 7 p.m. This is just kind of an arbitrary example, but I think actually maybe some people might resonate with it. So being able to identify some of these food rules that might be holding them back is really illuminating for some people because I think people start to realize how confined they've been for a long time and how, you know, the 
kind of their mindset and, and how they're viewing food is holding them back from being able to fuel themselves in a way that's going to, you know, really help them perform their best and just feel their best at all. So food rules are one thing, getting them back in touch with their hunger and fullness cues is another thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Just really kind of leaning on the side of, of, okay, how can you start to view food as a more positive uh, experience that's nourishing and has a purpose in so many different shapes and forms, uh, nourishing to both your body and your mind. And, and then once we kind of start healing that relationship with food is when we can start to shift into really applying nutrition strategies, like actually making changes on their plate. If you are somebody who menstruates and have been experiencing cramping, bloating, headaches, fatigue, energy crashes from your period, I've got a solution for you. <laughs> this is something that I've been dealing with for pretty much half my life at this point, ever since getting my first cycle when I was 14. This is something that I've spent a lot of time paying attention to, balancing my hormones and making sure that I am supporting my body fully so that I can have more easeful periods. I mean, let's be really honest, who wants to spend a day or multiple days out of the month not feeling good. Nope, not here for it. So I knew that I needed to find something to help support me when my hormones weren't getting the love that they needed. As awesome as it would be to do everything perfectly all the time, getting to sleep on time, eating only whole foods, eating organic, making sure my stress levels are balanced. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. So I need a little additional support. And this is why I'm so glad to have found Ned and their balance formula. This is their full spectrum hemp oil, but it's specifically designed to help support hormone balance, which is key for having easy periods. For me, I actually got an IUD, a copper one inserted back in August of 2021, and my periods haven't been quite the same since. They have been a lot more painful, a lot heavier, and a bigger pain in the ass. So I knew that I needed to get back on track, and I've been so, so happy because Ned has actually improved my periods tenfold since I've started to be really consistent with it. All I do is I take a dropper in the morning and this is also when I repeat my affirmations to myself, reminding me I use it as a trigger to implement the other habit of affirmations and gazing at myself in the mirror, solidifying these to myself. I use that as a trigger to start this other habit. I take one mouthful at night, again, repeating those same affirmations. And in the last two months, I have gone from around four days out of the month being pretty much out of commission to now I barely notice when my cycle starts. I mean, minus the fact that it's like visually very obvious, but I don't have as much cramping. My energy and my mood don't dip. I'm not awful to be around. So I've been really, really thankful for Ned and the fact that there is something that can actually make a big difference in your hormones. So let's talk a little bit about what makes Ned different than other CBD or full spectrum hemp oils. And the first thing is that it is a full spectrum hemp oil. It doesn't just have the lab isolated CBD. In order to get the full effects of hemp, we actually do need to use them in their full spectrum format. They work synergistically. Ned also adds ingredients like black seed oil, milky oats, oat straw, evening primrose oil, and red raspberry leaf, among other ingredients to help support a healthy, easeful cycle. So just because, and I really want to point this out because for the longest time I thought struggling and suffering with my, my period was totally normal. And just because it's common does not mean it's normal just need to point that out. You do not need to struggle with this. I would absolutely recommend trying out Ned's Balance Formula. If you are somebody that's interested in getting your hormones 
in track, making sure that you are supporting your body in the best way possible. You can try out this Ned Balance Blend and get 15% off using the code EXPAND. I have this product on auto ship. I cannot run out of this. It's not an option. <laughs> I absolutely adore this product and I know that you are going to love it as well. If you try it out, be sure to tag me in your stories. I can't wait to see what you got in your order. So you are the first person that I ever heard this term gentle nutrition from. And I really do like that it's this intersection of, yep, it's the food, but it's also your mind. Like it really is addressing, you know, kind of the, I don't want to say that this has just been totally recent, but this shift in the way that people might be thinking about food, the restriction added in, but it really addresses that mindset piece as well and helps to, I think it's a very holistic way of introducing people to something that might actually feel so much better for them. So can you talk about gentle nutrition a little bit more? And I mean, I would love for you to share too, why this is kind of your preferred method that you work with people on. Yeah. So I'll start by saying I did not coin the term gentle nutrition. I stole it. I didn't steal it per se, but I use it. I utilize it. Um, it comes from the 10th principle of intuitive eating. And I will say I am not an intuitive eating counselor in the sense that I do not strictly teach intuitive eating to my clients. I don't really like to put myself in a box. I don't like to restrict myself in that sense. And I don't want my clients to feel like they have to call themselves or, you know, adhere to one way of eating. So I like using the the principles of intuitive eating, but I also, you know, do other things as well. So with that being said, I was really searching for a framework, let's call it, to start teaching my clients, just like you mentioned, to be able to eat in a way that nourishes both their body and their mind. You know, they're able to implement nutrition strategy. They're able to take into consideration their health concerns. They're able to feel their best by the foods that they eat. And at the same time, they're able to have this more positive relationship with food. They're able to honor their preferences and their hunger cues and their fullness cues and eat fun foods and, you know, whenever they want to, basically. So I, I was searching for a way to really teach this to my clients because I'm, I'm like a numbers person. I like, I like things on paper. I like things that are organized. And I was having a hard time really organizing this for my clients. And then I really started to dive into gentle nutrition. And Gentle nutrition, I think, really embodies what I was trying to get across. And so I kind of developed this framework, if you will, like you mentioned, this intersection. So the way I like to describe it, and I alluded to this earlier, if you have two circles, like a Venn diagram, and the circles are crossing, they're intersecting, on one side, you have what I call internal knowledge. And internal knowledge are things like your hunger and fullness cues. Internal knowledge are things like your personal preferences. So what you just really like to eat, what flavors you like, what foods you like, um, how things make you feel. That can also be an internal knowledge. And then on the other side, so the other circle is external knowledge. External knowledge are things like nutrition information that's out there. It's evidence-based research. Uh, nutrition knowledge is things like, you know, how to eat for certain health conditions or how to eat to prevent cer certain health conditions. It's things outside of you. Um, external knowledge could also be things like allergies or, you know, diagnoses, just again, anything that's outside of you. And so the intersection of these two things is gentle nutrition. So the ability to honor both your internal knowledge and your external knowledge to be able to nourish both your body and your mind at the same time is this practice. And again, I just, I like having a framework for things. And I think it's received well when um, you kind of have something to draw from when you're starting to learn this stuff, when you're starting to practice this stuff to be able to fuel your body, you know, tackle some health concerns, but also maintain it 
a positive, healthy relationship with food while you do that. So that's kind of gentle nutrition. Um, Again, it's just like a concept. It's an idea, but it is the backbone of how I teach things to people. I don't want people to only be on the side of, you know, I'm eating for health. I'm fearing certain foods because they're going to make me sick. Um, You know, I only eat to fuel my body for sport. I don't want people to just be that. And I also don't want people to just be, well, all I do is listen to my hunger and fullness cues. I eat whatever (laughs) I want all the time. I don't need to implement anything. Um, You know, I, I want people to be in that middle ground and I want it to feel good and balanced. Um, yeah. So that's kind of why I'm so passionate about gentle nutrition and what it is. <laughs> and hopefully that kind of made sense. <laughs> but- no, that was great. Yeah. That was really, really helpful. And I love the visual too of the Venn diagram. That was, I think it, I mean, for me anyway, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like this, this sounds like something that is very customizable to the individual and actually able to be very flexible based on those internal and external, you know, things that we have going on. So let's talk a little bit about how health plays into this equation. So, you know, a lot of athletes are like, food is fuel, I'm a machine. And all you got to do is put fuel into the machine and you're good to go. So tell me a little bit more about how health plays into all of this. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, in order to, I'm a firm believer that in order to be able to execute your sport to the best of your ability, you have to feel well. Um, And I think feeling well is an essential part of our overall well-being and our overall health. Um, And I think, you know, athletes are not impervious to not feeling well, you know, just because you are athletic and you exercise and you do things all the time doesn't necessarily mean that you are the epitome of health. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't want anyone to be the epitome of health per se. But the point I'm trying to get across is that, you know, there's still underlying things that we can address to help you feel better through the foods that you're eating. So you can not only perform your best now, but be able to be a lifer in your sport. You know, I want to be able to be climbing and, you know, maybe not running, but climbing and biking and doing all the things that I want to do until I'm 70 years old. And in order to do that, I do not want to get sick when I'm older. You know, I want to prevent chronic disease. I want to age gracefully so I can continue to do the things that I love well for a very long time. And so I think that is how health kind of factors into us as athletes. You know, it's just this overall well-being that we need to take into consideration. It doesn't have to be, you know, psycho. We don't have to get obsessive about it, but I think it is really important to address and to take care of yourself on, you know, a number of different levels. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier about micronutrients. Is that something that you focus on when you're looking at the health part of this or what else does that encompass? Yeah. So micronutrients, you know, in general, vitamins, minerals, I think the athletic world tends to put a lot of the attention on macronutrients, which are the big things, right? Proteins, carbs, and fats, which are very important. Those are absolutely things that you should master as far as, you know, getting enough in. But, you know, these vitamins and minerals play a huge part in our overall wellness. You know, for example, B vitamins play huge roles in our energy metabolism. So our ability to be able to even process the carbs or the fat into the energy that we need to perform, we need all of these, the little guys out there, right? The little vitamins, the little minerals. And so from a health consideration, ensuring that we're eating a variety of foods, you know, a colorful variety of foods at that, um, especially in the form of Sorry for the vegetarians and vegans out there. I totally support you. But in the form of, you know, specifically zinc, magnesium, iron coming from animal sources, high quality animal protein, you know, all of these things are something that we need to take a look at in addressing the overall health status, et cetera, of the athlete. Um, So I think they are something not to neglect. It is absolutely something that I work with. Um, with clients to really optimize their micronutrient levels. And I think it's, yeah, just another piece of the puzzle to really take into consideration overall. 
Okay. So I want to go through two different, we'll call them like scenarios with you. And we know by now that like everybody is very, very different. And this is going to be, you know, very dependent on the individual. But let's say somebody is going to go out climbing for an entire day, maybe they're sport climbing or bouldering. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, what type of fuel would they need compared to somebody that's maybe just going into the gym for a couple hour session? Yeah, great difference of scenarios here. So let's tackle tackle the big outdoor day first. Um, so as far as the big outdoor day, I love to see clients start out their day with a big balanced breakfast, um, specifically containing a good amount of carbohydrates. So some of my favorite kind of pre-climb, outdoor climbing day breakfast would be like a big waffle with some berries on there, maybe a little Greek yogurt, maybe some maple syrup, um, as well as some protein. The carbs are really going to help facilitate our energy throughout the day. And the protein is really going to help facilitate our satiety. So feeling full um, and really kind of holding us over for the day. So that would be step one, kind of big balanced breakfast beforehand. Step two, kind of the during activity. So you've arrived at the crag, um, you know, you're maybe packing up, you're approaching. I love to see people eat every single hour that they are out. In particular, a carbohydrate-rich snack every hour that they are out. So that could look like, you know, so you had your big breakfast, you drove, to the crag, maybe it takes you 30 minutes, maybe your approach takes you another, let's say 15 minutes. I, you know, I'm Smith is my home crag, it's probably a little less than that. It's pretty short where you are, so it depends. Um, you get there, you have snack, maybe that's an apple, carbohydrate rich, rich snack. You climb a pitch, or maybe a couple boulders, then you have another snack. Um, maybe that's a handful of pretzels, uh, maybe peanut butter pretzels, who knows, a bar, whatever you want to be. But a good rule of thumb is every hour that you're out. And within those carbohydrates, while you're out, it is a good idea to have some protein as well. Like I mentioned, for some satiety, really to keep your energy levels up, your blood sugar balanced. So some of my favorite protein-rich snacks throughout the day could be like beef jerky, um, maybe some trail mix, some nuts, that would be, you know, some protein and some fat. Could be some slices of turkey, maybe in the form of a little turkey wrap or a turkey sandwich. Tons of options there. And then one of the things that I see people make the biggest mistake of on big outdoor climbing days is not having their post-outdoor session meal soon enough. Because a lot of times, like I mentioned, obviously, right, we have a drive from the parking lot back home or back to your destination or wherever it may be. So I always encourage people to try to eat something, anything within <laughs> at least an hour of when their activity stopped. And it's, I think we underestimate the time between like when you actually had your last snack, packing up, leaving, getting in your car, driving home, a lot of time normally elapses. So if I could just people to, if I could get people to have a snack as soon as they get to their car and then have a really balanced protein rich meal afterwards, that would be like the cherry on top of a great day of fueling. <laughs> so that would be kind of the, the outdoor day scenario, balanced breakfast in the morning, eating every hour that you're out, having a snack as soon as you get to your car, and then really emphasizing a protein rich post session meal. So that's a lot of eating, right? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know if that sounds like a lot of eating to you, but when I tell people this, a lot of times they're like, wow, like, that was, that's a lot. I'm like, yeah. You got to bring more snacks. <laughs> yeah. And you're doing a lot. Like you need a lot of food. Um, and, you know, similar structure for a gym session. I love to see people have a snack about 30 minutes before they go into the gym. Um, you know, that could be a bar, that could be... Uh, again, carbohydrate-rich snack, an apple, pita bread, hummus, whatever you want to be, just eat something beforehand. Then your during session, it kind of depends on how long you're going to be at the gym. I say just as a general rule of thumb, if you're going to be at the gym longer than 90 minutes, it's a good idea to have a snack 
during your session. Um, and again, that could be anything that's carbohydrate rich, some sugary mangoes, like dried mangoes are one of my favorites during session. Um, and then after your session, same thing goes. I want you to eat. <laughs> I want you to eat something after your gym session. Ideally, again, rich in protein. Um, that could look like, you know, a, a protein shake if you wanted to, if your next meal wasn't going to be for a while, a protein shake is a great option. Um, but whatever you do, just eat afterwards. Don't wait too long. I love to see that meal afterwards within an hour. Okay. Yeah, that was really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm very curious. Have you ever worked with anyone? And maybe this is a bit of a selfish question, but I'm sure if I struggle with it, I know that other people will too. Have you ever worked with anyone that has a hard time digesting food while they're working out? And what would you recommend for them? Yes. I mean, this is very common. You are not the only one. Um, some things to focus on if you have any type of like tummy or GI upset while you're working out, a couple of things to think about. First, I would focus on low fiber foods. The fiber in food slows the digestion time of your food. So it's going to take longer to pass through. So on the opposite end of that, if you have a lower fiber food, so something like a white bread, um, instead of like a seeded multigrain bread, um, you know, Dense, fibrous veggies are probably not a great option beforehand. White rice would be an example of a low fiber food. Anything lower in fiber is going to pass through quicker. So it's going to give you the energy that you need without sitting heavy in your stomach. Um, also, fat. Fat takes a lot longer to digest than protein or carbs. So really making sure that you're, if you are prone to a tummy upset again, minimizing the fat that you're eating could potentially, you know, provide a little bit of, um, of relief in that department. Um, so things that I love that are quick would be like an apple, for example, pretty light. Again, I mentioned white rice, um, lean protein. So just something light and lean, like a little chicken, if you were having a meal, um, anything in the, in that kind of category might help. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> I am definitely one of those people that I'm like, okay, well, I've got to wait like at least 30 minutes between eating. And I'm looking back on what I bring to the crag and I'm like, yeah, raw carrots probably aren't going to cut it going <laughs> forward. <laughs> definitely going to be the, the girl that brings her white rice to the crag and is mm -hmm. happily munching on it before I climb. So I am very curious, what are some of your personal favorite foods to either bring out to the crag with you? I know you've mentioned a couple or to bring or eat before a gym session. Mm, yes. Let's see. So foods that I love to bring out with me to the crag, I always kind of separate things out into categories. So I love having something fresh. So I mentioned like a fresh fruit out there. Um, I love having trail mix, especially with chocolate. Like I pretty oh, yes. much cannot eat trail mix <laughs> without chocolate anymore. Um, I love incorporating some like a light lunch, such as I do peanut butter and jelly roll-ups in a tortilla quite often. That's great. Love it. Yeah. Or really anything in tortilla. I mean, you can throw <laughs> whatever the hell you want in there and it would be delicious. <laughs> Prepackaged cheese is definitely a go-to for me. It does settle well. So I, I like having a little cheese, like a baby bell. Oh, so freaking good. Or any type of cheese stick, like a Colby Jack cheese stick keeps super well. Let me think what else. Oh, I was going to ask, yeah. do you bite the cheese stick or do you peel it? Oh, I bite it. I, I don't know. Yeah. In. <laughs> yes. I'm not messing around. Um, oh. And then so let's see, before gym sessions, I love, it kind of depends. So sometimes what I'll do is if I'm going to have like a lunch for example, like if it would be close to my meal time, if a gym session would be close to my meet meal time, sometimes I'll just split my lunch in half. So I'll have like a smaller portion of lunch, maybe like 45 minutes before I go into the gym. And then afterwards, I'll just have the second portion of that meal. And it just takes care of my post recovery meal. I know I have something. It's not too heavy in the stomach beforehand because I just had a small amount. And that could be anything from, oh, like... I love lately 
salads with like sweet potato on there. So mixed greens, sweet potato, um, and some sort of protein, whether that be like steak, chicken. Um, sometimes I'll add some extra veggies on there as well. Um, let's see what else. Waffles as well is a great snack. Toaster waffles. I just pop one of those suckers in maybe like 30 minutes before I'm going to go to the gym, slap some peanut butter on there, maybe a little honey. And that is another great go-to as well. Excellent. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about protein powder. (laughs) I feel like something that a lot of people have questions around and, you know, not every protein powder is created equal. So can you kind of give me your thoughts and opinions on protein powder? And if you have any favorites that you use and recommend? Yes, I do. So protein powders, there's a lot out there, (laughs) lots of different sources. So that's one thing that I always tell my clients to start to consider is what is the source of your protein powder? So for example, whey isolate, that is one source of protein powder. There's also um, beef isolate. There is egg. Um, There's collagen, right? These are all different types. There's pea protein, there's brown rice protein. And what you decide is definitely a personal preference. Um, I personally do not tolerate whey very well. It just doesn't settle in in my stomach. However, it is the most bioavailable out of all of the protein sources. So you are going to get the most bang for your buck out of something like whey. The next in line is egg. And I think third down the line is beef. Um, And what I look for in a protein powder specifically are the ingredients. So don't ever look at whatever they're claiming on the front. (laughs) Always flip (laughs) your product around and just read the ingredients first and foremost. I enjoy protein powders with kind of less fluff. So I choose things that are just the protein, maybe a little sweetener. So sometimes that's like a monk fruit, sometimes that's stevia, depending on the product. Um, And I like to keep it pretty simple. I don't personally enjoy any added um, like thickeners, any gums, any emulsifiers. Um, Sometimes protein powders will add extra stuff like veggie powder. Like that's all personal preference. But me personally, I like just kind of minimal ingredients because I add stuff to my smoothies. I always add fruit to sweeten it up. Um, Obviously like an almond milk, all sorts of things. So that's something that I would consider when buying a protein or when looking for a protein for yourself. Um, Some brands that I love, there is Paleo Pro. So like P-A-L-E-O-P-R-O, Paleo Pro. Um, It's made with egg protein, I believe. And I believe it's sweetened with monk fruit. That's a really tasty one. Um, Lately, I've really been on a be well protein powder kick. It is pretty expensive, um, but it is like literally three ingredients. It is the protein itself derived from beef. It is a monk fruit and I think cocoa for the chocolate and vanilla bean for the vanilla. So three ingredients, super simple. What are some other ones that I really like? I can always send you, send you some more and you can put them in the show notes if you'd like, but those are kind of the top two that have been circulating through my, my rotation lately. I love it. Yeah. Because, you know, we look at protein powder, like the front of it and it's like, Oh, I've got like 75 vegetables and minerals. And you're like, Oh my God. And I, do I need that? And you're like, "I, I guess I need that. But I really love hearing that it's, it is sometimes better or not even better, but you can always add those things. You know, if that's, it's just going to be a personal preference for me. I've been doing really well with a beef isolate protein. It's a chocolate Mm -hmm. flavored one. And it is, yeah, I love it. I, similar to you, do not tolerate whey or any dairy products. So for me, the beef isolate is great. Um, Pea protein, I find can sit a little heavy sometimes depending on the brand. So it's really taken a lot of experimenting with that. And before we go ahead and close out here, I know that you are very into baking. So I'm curious to know what is something that you're excited to tackle baking wise next? Oh, such a good question. My love for baking runs (laughs) deep. Well, I've been on a sourdough kick, obviously. Um, But I definitely want to bake more things with sourdough other than bread. So I definitely have a pizza dough in mind. 
that's been kind of circulating my brain lately. Um, I will say we're going on a trip to Bishop here in a couple weeks. So I always love to bake some muffins for us before we go um, on a trip to just bring with us in the van um, because it's fun to have muffins while you're on the road and muffins are delicious. So that will definitely be kind of next up in the, uh, in the queue, in the queue for the baking lineup. Love it. Maybe, yeah. maybe if we're lucky, Amanda will share her muffin recipe with us. Oh. And we all have crag muffins from now on. Crag muffs for life. Yes. <laughs> oh man. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Amanda. This was really illuminating and so helpful. I'm really excited to have people listen to this and share their thoughts. So can you go ahead and let us know where we can learn more about you and where we can find you on the internet? Yes. Thank you for having me, Chelsea. This was big fun. Um, you can find me on the Instagram. It's at purely underscore nourished. Um, you can also check out my website, www.purelynourishednutrition.com. And eventually here in about a month, I will be launching a podcast as well. So that is in the works. So in about a month, definitely keep an eye out for that. And you will be able to connect with me on there as well. I'm so excited. Do you know what it's called yet? Yes, the Purely Nourished Podcast. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I love it so much. I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes. And thank you again so much for coming on the show, Amanda. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so much to Amanda for coming on the show, for sharing all of her wisdom and all of her knowledge. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tag us on Instagram. I'm at expand with Chelsea and Amanda is at purely underscore nourished. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, what you resonated with. If you have any further questions, Amanda is always open for DMs. She loves having those conversations. So feel free to connect with her. If you haven't yet left a rating and a review of the show, please take a couple minutes of your time. I'm so appreciative of it and it truly helps other people find the show as well. If you've got friends that you think would benefit from this, if you have athletes in your life that you know could probably be improving their performance just a little bit by putting some focus on the nutrition side of things. It helps me so much. Every single person that you share my work with means the world to me. Thank you so, so much for being here and I will talk to you next episode.